they die, we won't give in. We're number one, we'll hold the line. We won't step back, we'll just attack time after time. We're lightning fast, we'll drive like rain. We won't be beat, we won't retreat, I see in our veins. We are the storm from Melbourne town, we'll blow the others off the ground. We are the storm and we're number one. We are the Storm and we're number one. Welcome to Stormcast, the official Melbourne Storm podcast, episode 29. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're almost at the finish mark at the end. Almost 30 weeks behind the microphone. It's uh, It's gone very, very quick. Uh, and as always, a quick shout out to those of you who are supporting the podcast by downloading and subscribing to Stormcast with Gobs. Uh, the one and only Melbourne Storm podcast. Stormcast is your one-stop shop for discussing all things Melbourne Storm. Stormcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify platforms. As always, I'm your host, Gobbs, and I'll be bringing you the latest news, views, and Storm content over the 2023 season. Now, let's get on with the podcast, shall we? <laughs> Falongo, a star is born on debut, first touch of the ball, comes up with a line break and then ends it with a try through some superb pushing up and backing up and supporting Ryan Pappenhausen uh, to score his first try for the Melbourne Storm in the National Rugby League. Um, if people didn't know who Sua Falongo was before last Thursday night, they certainly do now. What a debut. Uh, and he backed it up with a double as well. His figures for a debutante were outstanding. Uh, over 150 metres, two try assists, two tries himself. Uh, it was spectacular. Um, and again, I suppose what, what's even more special about it is that he is a Victorian product. So he's come through the NRL Victoria system. He's a Victorian junior. Uh, he's played... Uh, and come through the junior rep system for the Melbourne Storm. Um, and he's the perfect example of what ex- of, of exactly what Melbourne Storm are now prioritising in terms of its academy program. So they want to be producing, uh, identifying, uh, and bringing through more Suofia Longos, more young Tonema Piers, more Mahe Fanuas, more Richie Kennars, more James Tanua Browns. Uh, more of the female brothers who are playing at St. George Illawarra. So it's just not, I suppose, conducive to the Melbourne Storm, but there's other players um, that are playing in other systems that are Melbourne Melbourne Storm junior products from the, the NRL Victorian um, Junior Nursery. And it's really about ensuring uh, you're creating a pathway where these talented athletes can see a way forward to be becoming Melbourne Storm players and not having to to retreat to New South Wales or Queensland for opportunities. It's a, about really creating an environment where 
the likes of your Sewers, your Dean Oromias, your young Tonomapias can stick around knowing that, well, if I stay on this trajectory, I continue to play for my junior rugby league club, um, I, I continue to play in the, the Melbourne Storm junior representative scene, there's a Harold Matthews team coming next year, There's a cur- currently there's an SG Ball team, um, then there's Jersey Flag, and then straight into the feeder system which expands next year with the North Sydney Bears also coming uh, on top as well. So there's pathways personified at the moment, which is really, really good, and it just shows you um, where the the strategy for the Melbourne Storm is. They understand that they're not going to have the likes uh, and the luxury of having big junior nurseries like your Penrith Panthers, your Wests, uh, your Parramatta's, where it's just a complete cabbage patch, but having close to 5,000 registered juniors now, that's that's an achievement in itself. Um, they've established and created a niche uh, for, play, for, for, for young people to want to pick up a Steedon as opposed to a Sharon, uh, and that's what it's all about. And now it's really about trying to funnel them through these junior representative teams into the pathways and eventually, hopefully, like Sewer, make their NRL first grade debut with the Melbourne Storm and go on to have a long, distinguished career uh, for the Melbourne Storm. But um, I've gone on a bit of a tangent there. This was supposed to be the round twenty seven review uh, of the uh, of the Broncos game, but um, alas, alas, I love talking about junior rugby league uh, and the opportunities that Melbourne Storm have at their disposal down in Victoria and all the great work that's being done by NRL Victoria. So shout out to to NRL Victoria. Brent De Silva and um, his team down there uh, are doing a magnificent job um, with the development officers going into schools, the NRL Victoria with their respective Storm Premiership um, and, and, and Junior Storm Rugby League. Um, the, the, the game is really, really growing. They've had an upsurge in, in participation both in the men's and women's game. Um, so it's it's definitely on the rise. It's definitely growing, which is absolutely fantastic. And that's what we want to see. That's what we want to see. We want to see the game growing uh, at an exponential rate. And if it's doing that, that's, well, it's fantastic. So, um, no, re- really, really good to see. Uh, but yes, uh, the the storm come away with their thirteenth consecutive win, um, or fourteenth. Sorry, there were there were thirteen wins on the trot last Thursday night going into the Broncos game. It ended up now being four, the streak goes from fourteen. So the uh, to break it down, the hoodoo remains. Now, <coughs> I'm not one for hoodoos. Uh, I I believe that um, it all comes down to performance and it just so happens to be that Melbourne Storm, for whatever reason, style of play, um, get, mentally they get up for the game uh, against Broncos traditionally always because without, um, if you were unsure of the history, uh, virtually the Melbourne Storm were, were born and created out of the Broncos. So John Rebo, who was the original CEO of the Brisbane Broncos, he was the inaugural uh, Melbourne Storm CEO. Um, sorry, Melbourne Storm chairman. He was the one who first took 
the idea of the Melbourne Storm to News Corp um, to become the 11th franchise in Super League. Uh, never eventuated because the ARL and the News Corp funded Super League competition came back together and unified the game to create the what we now know as the National Rugby League, the NRL. But with it came John Rebo, who was the chairman, Chris Johns, who was a former Broncos player. He became the inaugural CEO. Uh, Glenn Lazarus uh, became the inaugural captain, who was also from the Broncos. Craig Bellamy, as we know, was from the Broncos system as a performance manager and then assistant coach. So there is a flavouring of Bronco in the DNA of the Melbourne Storm. And then you've got to think about all the Queensland kids, the Brisbane kids, like your Cam Smiths, your Cooper Cronks, um, and then you've obviously your other Queensland kids that all the every kid in Queensland wanted to do two things play for the Broncos and play for the Marines. Um, and for all those players that were virtually told by the Broncos, thanks but no thanks. Cameron Munster being one of them as well, Harry Grant another, um, they then find themselves in Melbourne. So it's sliding doors moments like that that I suppose heighten um, the the expectation, the anticipation uh, and the rivalry between these two successful franchises for such a long period of time. Um, and yeah, it, it, I think because of that history, and obviously playing in the 2006 um, Grand Final decider, uh, that also adds to the narrative as well. Uh, and then the Bennett versus Bellamy, uh, the Master and the Apprentice. So there's all these different sort of permutations and different um, elements, I suppose, that go into making um, these games, I suppose, higher and bigger than just a standard club game. Um, because of all of those factors. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's no surprise um, to see why um, these teams always, always get up, always get up. So um, very, very interesting. Uh, and it, it just, again, it, it just so happens to be that round 27 sees the Broncos in the storm and week one now sees the Broncos in the storm due to results, obviously. Many had anticipated that uh, the, the, the young baby Broncos last week would be too good for the young baby Stormers, uh, but that wasn't the case. Um, so the, the Broncos were gunning. Uh, a win would have seen them take uh, the minor premiership Help with the Storm finishing fourth, but it wasn't to be with Melbourne defeating the Broncos, uh, which pushed the Storm up to third. The Warriors going down to the Dolphins see, saw them drop to fourth, um, and the Panthers beating the Cowboys saw them finish first. So one versus four, two versus three, Broncos against Storm yet again. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a completely different contest this time around. 32-22 was the final score last Thursday night, and as we've already alluded to, uh, the debutante, um, Sua Fayalongo, had a night out, um, and it was great. It was just spectacular to see uh, a young Victorian um, make his debut, and special mention to uh, Pathways player Jack Howarth as well, who has been in the Melbourne Storm system um, Virtually was identified as a 16-year-old, uh, and finally, finally, there's been big kid, big raps on this kid. Uh, he becomes Storm player at 2:32, making his debut last week. 
Um, a lot of people had predicted that he would make his debut a lot sooner, but unfortunately due to injuries um, and just coming from, uh, he's had a rugby union background as well, so there was numerous factors as well as him going into his body. Uh, and he's a big kid, that's the other thing too, but um, playing inside centre and then trying to play centre and back row, uh, edge back row in rugby league are completely two different things. So he was learning the game defensively there. Um, and that takes time as a, as a young player that's come from a different sport where rugby union defensive patterns are completely different to rugby league defensive patterns. Uh, and Joe Chen, son of Alex, so father-son combination, he becomes 233, Melbourne Storm player number. Um, so congratulations to Joe uh, and, and, and Alex as well. It's, it's always special when uh, a son follows in their father's footsteps uh, and plays first grade rugby league, but more, sp- more so special when both player and son has played at the same club. So, uh, and so far longer, uh, number player number 231. So, yeah, congratulations to all those debutantes. Um, absolutely outstanding. I suppose the other thing we should touch on was, um, as we know, the, the the team itself was completely different in look and feel because of the amount of players that were rested by by Craig Bellum. Um, and I suppose there was probably a little bit of... I mean, without... Without play, without fans, I should say, and this goes for Melbourne Storm fans as well, that really don't look beyond the NRL. It was a good opportunity to see the, the, the I suppose, the amount of depth and talent that um, that is in the the feeder system. So as we know, as we know, Jaden Nicolima, Tyron Wishart, Grant Anderson, um, Chris Lewis. Um, They've, they've been players that have been flying away in Queensland Cup, uh, along with, uh, obviously, Aaron Penney, Alec McDonald, um, Tapai Moroa, who's been there for a while as well, even Tarek Sims. I mean, like, you talk about T- Tarek Sims, like, he, he's a representative player. He's played Origin. Uh, he's played in numerous amount of finals. You know, he's he's had a well-storied career. Um but he's played a lot of, in the Queensland Cup this year as well. Um, but the, the players like Grant Anderson, etc., who scores two tries and should have had three, um, it just goes to show you the, I suppose, the, the criticism over over the storm over the probably the last 12 to 18 months is that they haven't been the same team because they haven't had the luxury of having the same amount of depth that they once did um, that extends beyond the top 17 players. But they've shown again that they've been able to rejuvenate, replenish, uh, identify players that can now once again step up and perform at the NRL level. Now, Grant Anderson had probably his best game in a Melbourne Storm jersey, apart from his debut last year against the Roosters at the SCG. So that just goes to show you the type of player that is ready and willing uh, and available if called upon. You know, Tyron Wishart, he was outstanding the other night as well, um, playing in, in his more favoured position at dummy half at hooker. 
um, sharing the role with Bonson Garlic, who also, again, um, you talk about pathways players. Like, he, he he's had a breakout year. He's played in, what, all of one game for the Storm this year. So 23 out of 24 appearances. Um, and the only reason why he went back to Queensland Cup, where he spent all of last season, was that Bellamy wanted to get more minutes into it. You know, so he could have sat on the bench um, and then all of a sudden uh, he just he decided to go back and play uh, an entire game of Queensland Cup to get he, to get some minutes in his legs, get some kilometres in his legs for this time of the season. So he's, he's match fit, ready to go, and if, if necessary, can play, can churn out big minutes. And he's got the capacity to play on an edge, in the middle, and at, and, and at hooker. So, um, yeah, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, is that there is now, when you talk about a depth chart of position, there's, there's players in each position now that can pull on a jersey and you know it's going to be next man up mentality with no sort of hesitation. Like young Tonomapia, um and then you've got Marion Seve, at the start of the year, you would have been hard-pressed to think that they were going to, they were going to be the first-choice centres replacing Rena Smith and Justin Ollum. But that just goes, you, it just goes to show you the amount of depth that the Storm are now starting to, again, replenish after probably being a little bit thin over the past two seasons. So that in itself um, is good. Now... Completion rate against the Broncos the other night, completing at 85%. Uh, and again, I know I say that every week, if you're completing 80% or over uh, in first grade, you're putting yourself in a position to come away 99 times out of 100 with, with the win. Um, so again, the ball control was great, minimal errors, uh, and the Storm really set up victory, even though they conceded the first try. Um, but they didn't drop their heads. They stayed in the contest. Um, and managed to, to overcome um, the Broncos who got out of the blocks very, very quickly. So, um, And I, I suppose it also spoke to their, their resilience uh, in defence. So in the 57th minute, uh, Remus Smith chased down a, a runaway Tristan Saylor, uh, held down and deemed to hold held down Sailor too long in the tackle and was sent to the Simbin. So there was a bit of adversity there where the Storm were down to 12 men. Um, conceded a try, but they didn't drop their heads. Usually when a team loses a player to the Simbin, it is a complete momentum shift, as we've seen not only in, in Storm games this year, um, but in opposition games where a team can be on top, can be dominating, and you think, okay, well, this is this is a fatal complete. They're just going to go on the result, and they all, all of a sudden get a sin bin, and it completely turns the game on its head and virtually hands momentum um, to the opposition. And it's so hard to claw back, even when that player returns from the sin bin. So, um, and again, that's because the, the game is so quick now with the six to go rule, um, and and teams that have uh, their creatives, their spine players that uh, uh, run first mentality. If they've got momentum. They just go for it, and that's where the Storm is so successful with their spine because it's, it's run first, pass second. 
um, mentality and getting on the front foot and playing over that advantage line. So, yeah, now overall, very, very impressive performance uh, against um, what was a depleted, depleted um, uh, Broncos team, but uh, a depleted Melbourne Storm team as well, who had rested up to 11 players as well. So, um, f- evenly matched, but these two teams are obviously going to look completely different, completely different come this Friday night. So let's hear what Craig Bellamy had to say in the press conference. Uh, tonight, um, and they showed a lot of fight, and take a bit out of it, knowing that's what we're going with. Yeah, um, it was like a strange week when we you know, knew you know, what we were going to do, so we sort of planned that out. And, like we, yesterday we, um, we we lost another couple, you know, like Eric Katoa and we were all but they got her to train, so they pulled out as well. We, you know, we, we, we intended on playing them, but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, as I say, it was a different week, but yeah, I was really proud the way they, they played tonight. Um, we had a couple of really rough patches there, but the way they fought back after being 12 0 and then, um, you know, the Broncos scored, you know, first and second half there. Um, you know, that didn't seem to knock the enthusiasm out of them at all. And then, you know, when Loomis went to the bin, I thought, you know, this would be a test for us. Um, but, you know, they, they, they come through. I, was, you know, I just was really, really happy and really proud of, you know, the way they come through, you know, a couple of tough times. Where they just never give up and, and just kept hanging in there, you know, and we've got the result in the end, so I thought, you know, there was a few of our players that, that you know, did a really good job, and, um, yeah, but as a team, I just thought, yeah, it, it was a really tough effort. Yeah, yeah um, again, we, there was a, yeah, lots of time during the year where we, yeah, we wanted to give him a start and it probably wasn't, you know, the right time or the right game, you know, so, um, obviously he got his opportunity tonight, you know, yeah, we know he's a, you know, he's a brave little player, um, you know, obviously quick, that's, that, that, that's his strength, but, um, you know, again, he still, he still needs to learn a few things about the game, you know, um, which, yeah, you know, we're trying to do that as quickly as we can. But, you know, we all see, you know, the, the potential that he's got. And, you know, I'm sure he's going to be a, a regular first grade in the not too uh, distant future. He will be. He'll be knocking on the door for sure. And that's a conundrum um, that, that faces <coughs> the storm as well, where you've got the likes of Ryan Pappenhausen and Nick Meaney and now all of a sudden this super kid in, in, in Sewell Failoga, um, three doesn't go into one. So there's going to be uh, there's going to be a hard decision there for, for the club to make in terms of what they do because you can't you can't deny a kid like Sewell Failoga uh, and block his pathway to first grade. So every 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 club needs depth. Every NRL team needs depth. Um, but again, how long does that depth want to stay patient? Uh, and, and bide their time in reserve grade. Like, the good thing with Sewer is that he's young. He's 19 going on 20. So he's he's in the infancy, the infancy of his first grade NRL career. Um, 
so he has time. He has time. But again, if you if you're old, if you're good enough, you're old enough. That that's that's the mentality. Um, and he is obviously they wouldn't have gifted him his his debut. So yeah, very very interesting. But um, good to see Billy Oak was uh, was pleased with the effort. Um, and yeah, the, these guys have have put their hand up and they show that they're they're ready to, to do a job and step up if need be and, and required if necessary during the finals, which is a very good place to be uh, and have at their disposal. Depth is a wonderful thing, as we keep saying. <laughs> Teamless Tuesday. Well, Melbourne Storm will return to full strength as they prepare to take on the Brisbane Broncos once again in a qualifying final at Suncorp Stadium this Friday night. The Clash will see the return of Nick Meany, Marion Seve, Xavier Coates, Cameron Munster, Christian Walsh, Tui Kimikamita, Trent Liero, Harry Grant, Tom Eisenhuth and Nelson Osofa-Solomona returning to the squad after being rested last week. Jerome Hughes will also return to the starting lineup after recovering from a knee injury sustained in round 26, while Will Warwick and Ellie Katoa will also rejoin the fold following minor strains, which saw them sit out in round 27. Now, they probably could have played, but again, it's more about resting and getting the, the, getting rid of those little niggles and and by having a week off and wrapping yourself in cotton wool, that can only be better for the team going forward as the finals are now upon us. Uh, with many reinstated as fullback, Ryan Pappenhausen has been named on the interchange bench, very, very similar to what we saw with him uh, against the Gold Coast Titans, where he came out uh, and played uh, a bit of a roving role commission in and around the ruck in the middle third, trying to target uh, tiring forwards with his uh, with his speed and deception and, 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 and footwork. So let's have a look at the team. So Nick Meany will be at fullback. Will Warbrick and Xavier Coates are on the wings. Marion Seve and Young Tomopia return to the centres. Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes are the halves. Tui Kemikamita, Christian Walsh are the front row. Harry Grant is at hooker. Trent Liero, Elisa Katoa and Josh King are the Storms back three, back row, I should say. Bronson Garlic, Tom Eisenhuth, Nelson Asofa Solomona and Ryan Pappenhausen are on the interchange bench. Now the reserves, Tyron Richard, Tarek Sims, Tepoi Moroa, Remus Smith and Grant Anderson. Now, do I anticipate a potential mm, change to that 17? Not really. The only only possible um, change I could see would be potentially Bronson Garlic uh, dropping out and the experience of Tarek Sims coming into the 17. Um, I know Belliac loves experience, uh, especially going to a finals team and having another middle forward to help that sort of third middle third rotation with Tui. Boshi, King, Nelson, whilst Tom Eisenhuth can play in the middle, and, and I dare say he will, um, having a bigger body like Tarek Sims, who has played finals football, uh, knows what it's about. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Bronson Garlic 
talk about Tarek Sims comes in. Um, Harry Grant, has, as we know, can play 80 minutes, but Ryan Pappenhausen is there, if necessary, to jump in and play a bit of hooker and dummy half, which which could be the go, depending if Harry needs a rest. Uh, that's that's the only sort of change I can envisage and see happening and occurring. Um, but yeah, we'll see we'll see if that does pan out. Now, looking at the opposition who are also at full strength, Reese Walsh, the Wonder Kid. Um, so he's back at fullback. Jesse Arthur's replaces Corey Oates. Uh, which is an interesting selection by uh, Kevin Walters. Selwyn Cobber also on the other wing. Katani Staggs and Herbie Farnworth um, are the centres. Ezra Mann and Adam Reynolds, the halves pairing return. Um, Thomas Flegler, Payne Hass and the front row with Billy Walters, former Storm um, player, is at hooker. Kurt Capewell, Jordan Ricky and Patrick Carrigan uh, back row for the Broncos. Tyson Smoothie, a former Storm player and Sunshine Coast Falcons Pathways player, uh, is on the interchange bench. Uh, he'll come on and replace uh, Billy Walters uh, and give him a spell and, and play hooker. Brandon Piakura, Kobe Hetherington and Kenan Palacia uh, round out the 17. Now, the obvious question is, where are their threats? Where, where, where are their dangers? Well, look no further than Reese Walsh. Uh, he has taken this Broncos team um, to a whole new level. The dynamic um, that he has provided through his running game, his acceleration, his passing game, his vision, um, and the way, the way he injects himself on the back of shape for the Broncos... Um, so when the Broncos are shifting plays on both sides of the ruck, either on the left edge or the right edge, he's bobbing up, playing out the back of those sweet, uh, sweet shift plays, which uh, uh, really try and target um, the three-man and the two-man defensively. There is no better player in the competition at the moment than Reese Walsh than getting on the outside then of the three-man and the two-man, which causes so much indecision defensively for opposition teams. Um, he can get, through his acceleration and footwork, he can get on the outside of the two-man, which is generally the centre, and that, that, that causes all types of problems um, in terms of does the winger come in, does the winger stay out. So uh, when I say indecision defensively, that's what Reese Walsh does to a defensive system is play on the back of shape where he comes through and he holds the ball, holds it out, can either pass short, pass uh, long to the winger. Um, It's just, it is so hard to combat. It is so, so hard. I suppose the Storm traditionally have put someone on the chopping block and... Um, this this is a this is a known thing where they isolate a player, they go after a player. He's the one they need to go after. He's the one they need to shut down um, because he's just such a live player. Um, and what he does to a defensive system um, is yeah, it, it is so dangerous. So very similar to Turbo in 2021 for Manly. So when the Seagulls won that role. And coming into that sort of finals 
um, on the back of Turbo is that the Storm did a really, really good job and provided a blueprint for the rest of the competition on how to nullify um, Tom Trebovic. I dare say there'll be a plan to do the same thing for Reese Walsh. The problem, though, is that everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face, right? So it's one, it's it's all good, it's all well and good to have a plan, so and, and, and a, a, an idea and a concept to try and nullify and shut down. But having a plan and then trying to execute it are two different things, um, because yeah, it, he is so hard to stop. Um, Obviously, Adam Reynolds, we know what he does. He provides that sort of that leadership, that calmness. Uh, the game management is a director. He gets them around the field, gets them into positions where they can execute that shape as well. And in my opinion, he still has the best general play kicking game in the NRL competition today. Uh, his kicking game is absolutely fantastic. Um, can virtually get the Broncos and change momentum with his kicking game. That's how good it is, both long and short kicking game as well. Uh, and the, the, his ability to hold up a defensive line as well, very similar to Cleary, where they look and they, they their body language tell, tells lies in terms of, am I going to pass? Am I going to drop someone under? Am I going to throw a cutout? Uh, am I passing short? Am I passing long? Uh, am I going to kick? So he's always asking questions defensively uh, of your opposition. Um, and that just comes with experience as well. Um, wouldn't the Rabbitohs like to have him back at the moment? Yes. Mm, interesting. Slide, again, sliding doors moments. Amazing. But um, I, I dare say the Broncos would not want to tr- trade him at all. But yeah, they're, they're, the two, they're, the, they're the two big dangers. Obviously, we know what we get from Payne Hass. The guy is just an animal. He's... He's a freak. He can play big minutes for a big man. Doesn't stop. Post-contact meters, so hard to contain. And again, he's now developing that sort of that, that offload into, into his game as well. So, again, it really comes down to the middles taking to, the, to this Broncos pack um, and trying to nullify their effectiveness to promote the football. Carrigan, we know, has got a, a, a pass in him as well. So... They're probably the two danger men in, in the forward pack where Payne Hass and Patrick Carrigan can not only play over the advantage line, they've got their big bodies, they've got good, good leg speed, good footwork, um, can dig into the line and can create second phase play through through that, that past generation that they both can have as well. And then Billy Waters, again, he's really coming to his own. He plays in the back of that go forward and he can get, he can get the Broncos going, and that, that generates a lot of sort of momentum uh, for their outside men in the like in the like of Farmworth and Stags, who are both so quick. Um, and then that brings that brings their back three into into um, into the game as well. With with Cobo, we know what he can do. He's just he's just he can do anything. He's an enigma, uh, and and Arthur's. Uh, again, who is uh, from the Melbourne Storm system as well. He played in the MYC in the other 20s and came through the pathways. Um, very, very solid first grader. You know what you're going to get with him. Very, very safe. So there is no weaknesses in this Broncos team at all. Um, e- even if you look at the bench, Kenan Palacia, big body. Cubby Hetherington is just a worker. Brendan Piacora, um is, yeah, he's got plenty of X-Factor as well. 
this movie again is just that. And on his follow it goes out and does his job. So, no, it, it shapes as being a really, 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 really tight contest. This, um, and again, I spoke about it at the, the, the top of the podcast, 14 in a row. Uh, it means nothing. I, I'm, not, I'm not buying into the mantra of the hoodoo um, or, or having the wood. Uh, records are meant to be broken in every game is... Every game, especially finals games, finals games are different. Everything goes out the window. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't see how this would be spoken about. I can't see how this would be affecting Broncos players as well. More so that they have now have an opportunity. If anything, they can use it to their advantage and try and turn it into motivation. So again, it's it's not one of those things where it's straightforward. Where if the Storm think they're just going to rock up and the Hooters just going to get them the victory. No, sir. No, sir, Lee. That's not going to be the case at all. Um, let's see what Money had to say in his po- uh, in his uh, weekly media uh, yesterday at Amy Park. Oh, of course. I, I think they had six, eight players out, so uh, a lot of their players out. Um, they're obviously these players out of Nerds, um, Peter Walters, um, Ezra Mann, so that's their spine man. They're pretty exciting players. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to obviously come out over the game plan against us, and, and vice versa, we'll have a game plan against them, and, Hopefully it's going to be exciting for the time, starting down the footy, and so did it. He is very exciting to watch. I've seen first-hand play with him for Queensland. Uh, fast, uh, very agile, very confident kid, um, and, and he's very brave. And uh, find those, those uh, high-pressure passes, and um, the nine times that he's, he's made, it, uh, made him stick, and um, yeah, he's going to be able to in our game plan, but... Um, yeah, he can't really coach speed. He's got something that not that many people have. So uh, we just got to go out there, like I said, um, just keep playing slow footy we want to play and, and um, give him less time and space around the, around the middle and on the edges. And if we can do that, um, it's going to be a lot easier for our uh, defence, that's for sure. It's got to be simultaneous. It has to be legal. 
um, you can't attack the legs of the player as well. So that's going to be one thing. So getting up and trying to rush uh, Adam Reynolds and take away his time, both when running the ball but also kicking the ball. And again, trying to limit limit the time and try and corral um, Reese Walsh towards that sideline, very similar to what they did to Turbo in that 2021 qualifying final where they just virtually showed him the sideline every single time. So that up, that uh, coming coming from the inside uh, defence and then sort of getting there in numbers uh, and sort of, again, corralling. So not jamming in as such, but just getting there in numbers and sort of sort of shadowing him towards the sideline, if you like. That's got to be the plan to try and nullify uh, the impact of Reese Walsh. But again, having the plan uh, is one thing. Executing it's something else. So all will be revealed uh, Friday night. Now, a bit of storm news. Now, Justin Ollum was, uh, was injured um, over the weekend in terms of uh, being back in the NRL team last weekend, but uh, as, as we know, um, he's, he's not in the 17 or all the extended squad uh, this week. Um, and a lot, I know there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of fans, a lot of members, uh, especially the Papua New Guinean uh, Storm fans who obviously follow uh, Justin Ollum's career very, very closely at Melbourne. Um, they've, they've asked why. Why, why, why isn't he um, you know, playing in the NRL team? Why has he been dropped? It's not fair, etc., etc. Well, Ollum finally spoke um, and said that he took Craig Bellamy's feedback on the chin. So he said he knows that there's no guarantees despite his strong performance in the Storm's 32-22 win against the Broncos in round 27. Juzzy said he, being Craig Bellamy, the coach, he told me I need to work on a few things. I said thank you. I have zero ego. I am happy some of the boys have got their opportunities and are playing well. That is what life is about. My focus has been to go back and work on what I can control, which is training hard and working hard on things I can improve on. In saying that, I've had a few injuries this year, which has slowed me down a little bit, but it is what it is, I guess. My mentality was to see it as a challenge and not be a victim. My focus has been to go back and play well in Cup, being the host plus Cup for the Falcons. I think it is a good lesson. I have a big fan base in Papua New Guinea, especially the young kids. Life is not going to be smooth every time. For me to go through, this is good. If they are watching, there is going to be setbacks. It is how you react to it and pick yourself up. So there you go. There you go. Jazzy went on to say, we always have a next man up mentality at the storm and it's about seizing the opportunity. So there you go. So that, that's a great attitude to have. He, he isn't spitting the dummy. He's not feeling um, sad and, and kicking his can around, hating the world. He's actually seeing it as a challenge to, to get back there. So he's obviously taking his learnings. He understands that there's a few things there that he needs to work on. 
uh, which the coaching the coaching staff has identified for him, uh, which he obviously has fallen short on, but defensively or other sort of I suppose areas, the one percenters in his game where he's been um, lacking compared to compared to previous games or previous uh, occasions this season and previous seasons where he's been a staple. So again, it's it's an opportunity for Jazzy and he's seeing it as a as a challenge. So hopefully that that can um, allow the Papua New Guinea um, supporters that support Jazzy and support Melbourne Storm to realise that this isn't personal. It's nothing personal. It's it's obviously performance and form related, um, and Jazzy knows that and he's accepting that. And he's not, he's not angry, he's not bitter, he's, he's just going to be a team player and if necessary and he's called upon, well, he's ready to go. And it's, it's, a, it's a luxury to have, to have someone like Justin Olliman, as I said earlier, with Brenda Smith, who you'd think were the first choice centres, uh, to have them at your disposal, ready and willing, if necessary, to play in the finals, uh, that's a really, really good position to be in for the Melbourne Storm. Now, feeder club report. So, the finals week two in the Host Plus Cup. Uh, the Melbourne Storm feeder club, the Sunshine Coast Falcons finals run came to an end on Sunday, going down 38-10 to 10 to the Queensland Cappers in the semi-final. With several strong contracted players getting their opportunity at the NRL level uh, last week against the Broncos in round 27, it was a new look Falcons outfit that travelled north to Rockhampton for the do-or-die clash. Um, so that's unfortunate. And I know there's been plenty of there's been plenty of criticism this week from people uh, that that have a real firm, um, enjoyable uh, affiliation. Um, in love for the Queensland Cup competition that considered themselves you know, rusted on Sunshine Coast Falcons fan and they're a little bit disappointed about um, the Storm taking a lot of the players away last week to play in the NRL. But what you've got to understand is is that feeder, feeder teams and pathways and lower grades and junior representative teams, the big clubs don't see... Those competitions, they don't, they're not out to win premierships. They're not out to win competitions, right? They see them as an opportunity to develop players, to pass on the storm way, if you like. So they're putting processes in place for under-16s, under-18s, under-21s, reserve grade, when those players come through, they're already getting that, that, that sort of learning and understanding of what it takes to be a Melbourne Storm player. So those, those pathways and those feeder arrangements, they're there to serve the Melbourne Storm. If they win a premiership, it's a bonus. That's, that's the mentality. And you go ask all the, the top clubs, Panthers... Um, Roosters, same situation. The feeder teams and the lower grade teams are there to serve the Melbourne Storm. 
So that's what that's what fans have to understand. That it's not about trying to win the Queensland Cup or the New South Wales Cup or the Jersey Flag competition or the SG Ball or the Hale Matthews. If it happens, fantastic, great. It's a bonus. But it's really about trying to develop players for the greater goal of playing first grade NRL football. And the Falcons at the moment and the Brisbane East Tigers and the Jersey Fleet, they're there. They're there to basically provide a base of talent for the Melbourne Storm NRL team. Which again we we showed it was on it was on display last Thursday night. That those guys that stepped up and played first grade last week that have been playing in the Host Plus Cup, that's what it's there for. It's there for. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to, to talk about that because I know there's been quite a lot of criticism levelled at the Melbourne Storm uh, by some some fans uh, not happy with um, it ended up costing the Sunshine Coast Falcons um, any chance of progressing further. But, um, again, it, that's that's just the situation, that's the landscape that um, that the feeder, the feeder clubs that I align themselves with NRL clubs are in. Now, if the Falcons don't want to be a part of it, they don't want to be a part of the feeder arrangement, and they want to, they want to go about being, I suppose, in a standalone sort of single entity in the Host Plus Cup, then that's fine. But you're not going to have any NRL talent that's going to be able to prop you up throughout the season as well. So it's a catch-22 in that regard. Now, um, the Capras are set to face um, fellow Melbourne Storm feeder club, the Brisbane Tigers, uh, Brisbane East Tigers, in a prelim final uh, this Sunday. So we still have another Melbourne Storm feeder team in the Queensland Cup uh, post-plus cup competition as well. So not all is lost. Uh, it's good to see that some players will be getting a taste of finals football um, and all going well. Hopefully they'll progress to the grand final of the week after. Well, that's it for, for this week's podcast. Thank you so much as always for listening. Really, really appreciate the, the, uh, the support. Um, again, finals edition of the podcast. Uh, very, very exciting. It's always good to see uh, the storm in uh, in finals um, contention as well. Which, uh, which, I mean, you'd rather be here than not, right? But it's it's just outstanding to see what this club continues to to achieve uh, year on year. Uh, it, it is remarkable. Um, what they've been able to amass over such a long period of time. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's, it goes to show, um, like, you think about it, this is, this is the Storm's 13 consecutive finals appearance. 13 consecutive. That's unheard of. It's Craig Bellamy's 20th final series. And the Storm have now made the top four of the last uh, 
top four for eight of the last nine seasons. Like last year was the first time they missed the top four and they ran fifth. So yeah, and it's it's Craig Bellamy's first fifteenth uh, top four finish. So it's just remarkable what the, what this what this twenty five year old franchise has been able to establish over such a long period of time. Such a long period of time. You know, like, yeah, it's just... I, I think we should never, never, ever take it for granted because you look at clubs like West Tigers who have missed the finals for, you know, 12 straight seasons now. Like, can you imagine not having your team play finals football for over a decade? Like, it's, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. We should never, ever take it for granted. Um, and it's, it, I, I certainly don't. I, I, I value um, the sustained success that this club, this franchise, has been able to sustain for such a long period of time. And it, and, and it all comes back to hard work, never resting on your laurels, forever wanting to improve, accountability, honesty, leadership, and it starts at the top, right? starts at the top. Craig Bellamy sets the agenda um, and it drips down through your leaders and your leaders drive those standards. Your leaders drive those standards and everyone buys in. Um, just absolutely remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Yeah, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible. Over 25 years... Um, you know, Craig Bellamy's made the, the top four 15 times. 17 times in 25 years, the Storm have made the top four. Just absolutely brilliant. Very, very proud. Very proud. Uh, and, yeah, again, it's uh, Friday night is going to be a, a big, big clash, big clash against against the Broncos. Prediction, uh, well, obviously Storm, but... Um, yeah, th- this will be close. This will be close. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see it go to Golden Point, um, but I'm I'm thinking this. Yeah, it'll be a, a one to twelve point game. Um, so if you are going to have a little wager, gamble responsibly. Um, take a sec before you bet and ask yourself what you're get really gambling with. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say Storm by two. I'm just thinking the experience um, of their big game players in finals games will step up. And I'm anticipating Munster to have a blinder. He's been a bit quiet of late. Um, And I I just think big games, big moments, big occasions, big players step up. And I think this is his time to to really sort of... um, to really show... Um, his wares in these big games. Um, and he's a big game player. So, yeah, that's they they are my concluding thoughts. So, uh, enjoy your uh, your weekend of rugby league. And uh, yeah, let's hope um, let's hope our boys get the uh, get the victory. And they're singing this song post game on Friday night.